If you look at most ancient cultures and their narratives, you realize the future is often related to where they've already been. That's true of our spiritual future as well. God does not point you forward without allowing you a glance to see how far he has already brought you. You can appreciate this hindsight and all that education that vision brings, but it also prepares you for the impact of, of the vision of the future. So look back to where you've started and how far you've come and recognize the sidestep missteps and maybe even the times you've chosen to walk off of this path. And then look through scripture into the future with God all the way to where God will meet you at the end. That's better than 2020 hindsight. That's God's view for your future. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome back to Sabbath School University. I'm Ike Mueller, and we're going to be studying the second part of Zechariah, one of those often called minor prophets in the Old Testament. With me today is a group of guests. I want to thank you for being on, on the show. And uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little about yourself. And here is a question for you. What is the greatest gift you ever got? Okay, uh, I'm Daniel Tutupali. I'm a student. And um, the best gift I ever got, well, I, I don't know about the best, but this is pretty cool. I got a watch for Christmas and it's made out of wood. And Ooh, that, is, oh. that is pretty cool. I get a lot of compliments on that. Uh, Even the internal mechanics of yeah. it? Uh, well, no, 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 no. no but, just you know, the, yeah. the band <laughs> and the face is all wood. So, wow, yeah, it's nice. pretty cool. cool. Should have wore it. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Pavel Tomenko. I'm an interpreter. And it's hard for me to put a finger on something tangible that's been the best gift, but I remember getting a, a Bible when I was 13 and getting a camera when I was 14. Those two things set me off into my own worlds of exploring photography and the scripture as well. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is, that is cool. That's exciting. I'm so shallow. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Huh? My name is Sarah Mae Cologne. I'm glad that you remember to say your name I this know. time. I <laughs> know. I'm working through that identity issue. Anyways, um, I think it's a tag team between, I remember one year for Christmas, I got a whole bunch of peanut butter. I hadn't had peanut butter in a really long time, and I just sat and ate peanut butter until I got sick, and it was awesome. And then <laughs> when I graduated high school, my mom and dad put together this awesome book of wisdom from, like, I had a lot of friends that were older than me, and so they would give me, like, foreknowledge wisdom, you know, like, how oh, to deal with, great. like, money, you know, and how to, relationship advice and stuff like that, and it would be letters from my friends to me, and it's all in a book on, like, every topic. So that is amazing. It's amazing. That is cool. It's so heartfelt and real. Oh, so good. <laughs> That's an amazing gift. I um, I have gotten amazing gifts, uh, and my wife gives me great gifts and all that. Yes, but there's one I think or two that kind of stick out. That one of them was uh, something my brother gave me when I was a teenager. It was a Dutch national soccer jersey, Aww. and um, I was very ticked at the moment. <laughs> because uh, 
my brother and I are both half Dutch and half German, but we've mm -hmm. always kind of been more German <laughs> and, and proud of that. And the Dutch side was kind of like, well, don't talk about that. And it, oh, no. <laughs> he had a German jersey and he gave me a Dutch jersey. And that was the side that I didn't really associate with as a person. And it got me into a journey of thinking about, hey, it is part of who I am. And, and, and I'm not just a German. I'm a, and I decided to have Appreciate my identity, I guess. That's, That's through awesome. a simple gift like that. It was, took me on a journey, I guess. That's awesome. Well, as we discover an amazing gift in the book of Zechariah, Sarah May, would you start us off with the scripture passage and yes. the prayer? Yes, to all of those. Zechariah 9.16 says, The Lord their God will save them on that day as the flock of his people. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. Again, that's Zechariah 9.16. And you should pray in Russian. Любящий Отец Небесный, мы благодарны за то, что Ты нам дал возможность изучать Слово Твое и в Слове Твоем познавать Твою любовь, Сына, который отдал свою жизнь за нас. Дай нам мудрости изучить Слово Твое и принять любовь Христа, который умер за нас. Просим во имя Христа. Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you very much. And for all those that I haven't followed along for a long time, that's kind of been the running joke in the show <laughs> that Sarah May needs to pray in Russian, and she's dodged that for a long time, and Once now she again. found a victim to roll it off onto. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. The book of Zechariah. Now, mm. th there are a lot of Old Testament uh, books that, that we don't read a whole lot, and, and Zechariah is one of them. And if we read anything about Zechariah, we read the first couple of chapters, and we talked about them last week. But now we're talking about the second part of it. What is kind of the message and, and what kind of terms of reformation uh, does Zechariah address in his second part of the book? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was the verse um, in chapter 8, verse 23. And it says, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. So transform transformation of those who follow Christ is evident. So maybe in the Reformation we can be seen as those who stand, uh, hold close to God's Word mm -hmm. and the wisdom of the Scriptures. And that's why people are attracted to those, to those who have the truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that stood out for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of things, and I wish I could articulate this well, so I'm going to make you articulate in a second <laughs> what I'm thinking. Read my mind. Read my mind. Um, but. I don't know, I think Zechariah is so cool because he goes, he not only lays it out and gives analogies and all these different things, but he's, he's very good at um, giving you a visual of it. Mm -hmm. He paints a lot of pictures and um, I don't know, I guess for me it just makes me want to reread through scripture and see what Reformation and Revival really means because I think sometimes we mutilate those words and we, we yeah. fixate so much on history that we forget to look towards the future. And I think, um, I don't know, I think that that's just what Zachariah makes me think of, is, is that I need to re reanalyze this. And the ahead. amazing thing in Zachariah is that there are so many different pictures. He just mm -hmm. lays one on top of the yeah. other. And for us, it's easy to just simplify it and say, I think it should be this and everybody needs mm -hmm. to do this exactly. or that. While instead, it's, it's a multiplicity of, of different things that can actually happen when we do that. Daniel, what did you see in terms of um, reformation in the book of Zechariah. Um, I don't know, just to bounce off what they were saying, <laughs> I guess just that it's, 
it's kind of God doing it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is, you know, partly us, but we can't completely depend on us to do it. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that's a really pretty picture. And I think it's really important that you're pointing that out because chapter eight is, is all about this movement, right? Mm-hmm. In, in chapter eight, verse 13, God says, I will save you. And as a response, we should do all these things. Don't, right. don't lie, don't cheat and all that. Then the rest of the chapter, all the way to 23, you already mentioned that everything before that is kind of like, we are going to change the way we live because God is going to be there. Yeah. Yes, Sarah Well, I was just going to also say that I, I think that's a really brilliant thing to say is, is that sometimes we limit God so much in what he means when in reality, you know, like Zachariah is a great example. I think all of you articulated this better than I could, but it was, um, you know, it's building off of each other and there's more facets than we allow. Mm-hmm. So for example, you know, like I know Ica pretty well. And so we think completely differently. Like I'm just <laughs> throwing that out there. I know, huge shocker. But it's just, it's always interesting because how he views something might be totally different than how I view something, but it doesn't mean one of us is wrong, yeah. you know? And I think that that is kind of Zachariah presenting, you know, like, there's different methods to get to this point, but you're limiting it once more. And we're complementing each other rather than mm-hmm. one person being right, the other being, exactly. being wrong. I like how, uh, how Zechariah ch- starts chapter eight. In, in chapter eight, verse three, he says, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Mm. Um, and it's already looking into that incarnation of, of Christ, right? Who dwelled among us. John 1 mm-hmm. will take this imagery and say, he dwelt among us. Um, and I think mm-hmm. this is that, that image. We can't have anything happening in our spiritual life if God is not dwelling right. within us, if, mm-hmm. if he's not in our, in our midst and in our presence. Yeah. Um, so this whole second half of the book kind of starts off with this. God is among us. And now we proceed to make changes in our life. And that would be that, that Reformation revival. And it's going to be different for everyone. I struggle with this. You struggle with something else. Third person, something else again. God all leads us differently, but he brings us together on this and path. And that's why community is so cool. Because yeah. if I didn't have friends that were different than me, I would just be off in a meadow somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> never to come back. So it's, it's good. It's you know, to be able to communicate it and to be able to keep um, bouncing ideas off of each other and continuously searching. Mm-hmm. I think if we accept that God is leading us differently mm-hmm. and that we can learn from each other, then, mm-hmm. then we have that idea that God brings us together. Yeah. Now the second, the second half of Zechariah is, is there's a lot of images of, of the Messiah, mm-hmm. different titles, different ideas, different pictures. You've already presented that. Mm-hmm. That's very visual. What are the things that Zechariah is pointing out? Um, well, for instance, in <laughs> chapter nine, right? Uh, I, I like this a lot because it's so so uh, so specific. And um, so it says, "Rejoice greatly, uh, nine verse nine. Sorry, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation." lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And I don't know, I love that because this is Zachariah. I don't know how many years before Jesus this was, but um, like he, he's like, this is your king mm-hmm. and he's going to be riding on a donkey instead of, you know, something, something more regal, uh, mm-hmm. a horse or yeah. something. He, he's riding on a donkey, he's lowly, and he's kind of describing Jesus as he's, he is your king. And you should give him the honor of that. But he's also very humble. 
and uh, mm. yeah, I like that. And yeah. there's another uh, detail, peculiar detail, is the pierced hands. Uh, mm -hmm. This practice was not started until the Romans came along. So uh, mm. if Zachariah is pointing out uh, this peculiar detail, it wouldn't be any point of reference to, to people at that time. Mm. But it's pointing in the future to exactly to when the Romans started practicing mm. the crucifixions mm. during the crucifixion mm. of Christ. So that's yeah. one, one of So we detail. have an, an image of Jesus as the king, yeah. uh, the, the riding in on a donkey, and of course mm -hmm. the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. It's the imagery that we have immediately. Uh, a pointer forward towards the death mm -hmm. of, of mm -hmm. the Messiah. That's another, another imagery. Absolutely. And I think also the shepherd, it's mentioned. I'm, I'm always fascinated by shepherds in just general. Because <laughs> think about it. Just think about it. <laughs> there are sheep everywhere, and you need to control them, and they are not the smartest people or creatures. <laughs> the analogy took over. Anyways, but it's just, I think I'm always fascinated by that image because mm -hmm. throughout Scripture, he's constantly referred to as a shepherd. And I think about how patient shepherds have to be and how buff they have to be to like protect them from all of the elements that that's surround true, sheep because the sheep can't really take care of themselves in a lot of senses and so I don't know I just I think that's a very interesting visual once more. Mm -hmm. I've been I've been thinking about that here in the, in the Western world or or, or at least uh, here in North America I've never seen a shepherd go around and and herding sheep but but I know from my childhood that there were actually shepherds that mm -hmm. would herd sheep through town well mm -hmm. not through the town, or the outskirts, mm -hmm. and and feed off of the the pasture lands that were common access, common, mm -hmm. and, and it it was just this incredibly visual image of somebody there, in the rain, in the in the mm -hmm. brutal heat of the mm -hmm. of a summer day, that is there to guide and take care of these mm -hmm. these sheep. Yeah. And kind of semi ditzy side note, I met a shepherd on an airplane once and I could not stop laughing because like my real immature side, I just couldn't believe that there was a real human being sitting beside me. He was a shepherd. It was the first time he'd ever flown anywhere. But he was telling me about, you know, it's not about the moment that they appreciate. You know, they don't really always enjoy sitting in the heat or the brutal elements, yeah. but they knew that they needed their sheep to be alive. And they knew that, you know, they became almost a family member. So it was like a personal attack when, um, anything would come and take any other sheep, or if their sheep got sick or anything like that. And he was just telling me these stories about sheep, and I was just in awe of him. I was like, I cannot believe I just met someone who's dedicated to being a shepherd. It's amazing. That's one thing that I can <laughs> kind of relate to. I'm not, not, not being a shepherd, but um, I used to herd goats. What? So, <laughs> so <weird>. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I can relate to that attachment, personal attachment to being being with the animals. So, mm -hmm. you you there eight hours, nine hours a day from the sunrise down to the sunset. They they graze around. You spend time with them, and mm -hmm. uh, you do have developed that bond with them. And you you know that they have to be taken care of, and they are afraid when you if you're gone, if you leave them by themselves. So they actually calling out for you. They want you to come back they want your presence for that hmm. security so i, I, I can really relate to him anymore <laughs> my mind is blown <laughs> you used to, you goats that's oh cool. man that's that's an amazing. amazing analogy though right mm -hmm. that that god calls us his his sheep right yeah. we are lost without him sheep as sarah may pointed out are not the smartest of creatures but they're fluffy. i heard of a my roommate's father had 
was a shepherd for a, a time mm -hmm. being, and he said they would not find the trough of food hmm. even if it was right next to them. You mm. actually have to lead them there, otherwise they won't find it. They're not the smartest of animals, and that's why they need a lot of care, and they, they need to be guided. And as you said, that's a personal personal attachment. That's yeah. And we're referred to the sheep a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is awkward. I'm just getting these analogies a little bit better. I wanted to point out oh, one man. other thing that I, that I really liked, uh, that um, just before the passage, that Daniel, that you read in Zechariah 9, mm. You read 9.9, 9, right. but um, if we look at 9 verse 8, then I will encamp at my house as a guard. Mm. And it's another picture of this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it continues, so that no one shall march to and fro, no oppressor shall again march over them, for now I see with my own eyes. Mm. This is God, this, this guardian, mm. taking control of a situation. And, and saying, I'm, I'm a watch guard, I'm armed, I'm dangerous. Nobody's gonna come close to the people that I'm protecting. Mm. And I like this imagery of, of God as this guardian. We have that in the shepherd, of course, mm -hmm. but here it's taking another analogy and carrying that analogy forward. It's beautiful. Of this, yeah. this guardian that protects yeah. his chosen ones, the ones that decide to follow him. So I, I like that imagery about the Messiah here mm -hmm. as well that Zechariah points forward to. Let's expand a little on those 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 prophecies. What do they relate to? How do they how they fulfilled in, in, in the in the New Testament? What insights do they provide about about Jesus? Um, I mean, I think a lot they point directly to Jesus. I mean, you yeah. guys brought up some pretty obvious analogies of now we know because we know right. the future of this time, <laughs> not the future forever. Mm. But um, you know, it's interesting because it specifically says you know he'll come into town riding on a donkey, yeah. who would have known that? You know, that scene, and we all remember that scene, you know, we have, we've heard it all our lives from little kids, you know, story time with Jesus yeah. walking and, you know, going mm -hmm. through the town and everyone waving palm branches. And then also, um, it points directly to the cross, you know, pierced mm -hmm. hands. And so I think it just, it's reiterating, weirdly enough, what's going to happen in the future. And it points directly to his life and Jesus being among us. Mm -hmm. And, um, kind of the struggle he goes through, but also why he does it and for whom, you know. I just, I don't know, I think that's interesting. One of the verses from the Old Testament stand out to me that he will be rejected. You know, the, the cornerstone mm -hmm. has been rejected. And we see it in, in, in the life of Christ that mm -hmm. the spiritual leaders of the time of, of the Israel, of Israelites, they have seriously questioned Jesus and for the most part they have rejected him and mm -hmm. they sought mm -hmm. how to kill him. But uh, he was the he was the Messiah, and he was uh, that Savior that was rejected. Yeah. Yeah, and that then goes into that that the the piercedness of him, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Into that. Daniel, what do you have to add to that? <laughs> I'm yeah, still Daniel. thinking about sheep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I again I I really love how specific it is mm -hmm. and how. I don't know, the fulfillment of prophecy, I guess, is just really cool to me still. Mm -hmm. um, every time I go back into it, I find something new that's like... When did that get Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just wonder how many people, uh, when they saw Jesus riding on the donkey, they're like, wow, Zachariah wrote that. I, I don't know yeah. if that happened or not. but I, 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 I think it must have. Yeah. I mean, these people had studied the scriptures mm -hmm. carefully, right, and right. maybe it wasn't the expectation that they had of Jesus, right. but they then go back and say, 
Hosanna to the son of David, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. And that would be the heritage of that king. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. they, they actually applied that. And by saying these words yeah. that are unusual for the Gospels, son of David mm -hmm. is not a typical name for Jesus, mm -hmm. they're actually interpreting this passage to apply to Jesus. That's um, really cool. Very fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah May, you had raised your hand. I know. I don't know why I do that. Um, but there are so many things I wanted to say. Kind of going off of what you were saying, I just think it would be interesting to hear that this is the description of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if I was in Zacharias, I would be like, homie, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's talk about this. I'm not sure if I understand what you're saying, you know, or, or is this true? And like the concept of rejecting the Messiah and pointing that out, I'd be like, no, 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 you're wrong. I'm not going to reject the Messiah because I know everything and I've read, you know? And so it's just, I don't know, I think that's, it's really interesting that they're so adamantly saying you are going to reject the Messiah and we're even going to tell you what he's like writing on and we're going to tell you what's going to happen and you're still going to miss it, you know? And it's just... It's much like Peter, right? Mm-hmm. I will never. Exactly. Uh, and yet it, it's happened. It exactly. I really like this, of, of all the imagery, I really like this idea of, of the donkey as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I like it because of the implication that it has. Uh, the, we know from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 17, we have this imagery of what a good king should be. And one thing that it says, he shouldn't have horses. Now, that's right. a peculiar thing because we'd say, well, horses are pretty animals, right? But in the ancient culture, if you live in the Middle East, a horse is a very useless creature. Around here in the Northern Hemisphere, they are very useful. You can, you can use them on the farm, you can use mm -hmm. them to till the land, but they need a lot of water and a lot mm -hmm. of resources to operate. Donkeys and mules don't. Mm -hmm. And water is very scarce in these arid regions mm -hmm. in the Middle East. So they were not useful. So you'd either have a camel if you wanted to transport something mm -hmm. because, of course, obviously they don't need a lot of water, or you'd have a, have a donkey uh, to do that. Or mm. So uh, this imagery, it, the only reason why you'd have horses is for military power, much like a tank today. Mm -hmm. It was okay. this imagery. And that's why a king shouldn't have horses because you should depend upon God, not on military power. Mm. And all the others... If you even go, uh, growing up, there were all these statues of people on horses, all these famous kings and rulers. Right. It's always this very proud moment. Mm -hmm. And here God says, look, a real king does not need to pride himself. He doesn't have to have a statue of himself. He doesn't need to come with military power. Mm -hmm. No, the Messiah will come not on a donkey. Right. He will come on the foal, on, on, <laughs> the, on the colt of a donkey, even lower than what you would expect. Wow. And that's how Jesus is. He, he comes from, he doesn't lord things over us. He comes and he wants to empower us. He wants, mm -hmm. he comes as a servant, not as a master. Mm -hmm. right. And this imagery, right? And the shepherd again, I come as somebody <laughs> taking Seven care of. <laughs> <laughs> now we've kind of focused on chapters eight through 10, 11, mm -hmm. because those are the things that we really like to hear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the shepherd and all of that. But chapters 12 through 14 have a very different message. Yeah. It's about desolation and destruction mm -hmm. and all of that. Where's the hope in that or, or what is the purpose of that section of Zechariah? <laughs> it's, a, it's a tricky one. Wow. And that's exactly what it is. It is, it is tricky. Well, I have something I can just throw in there. It may or may not be correct. But I think that sometimes in destruction and chaos and 
um, us falling short of things, that's when we find the most mm -hmm. hope is because we have to like hit the bottom or like mess up so much that we can't do anything but realize, oh, you know what, we need to hope in something better or we need to focus on something more. And so I think, I don't know, kind of in all this, I mean, because it is kind of dismal talk going on in 12 to 14. So, yeah. It, it's a tricky passage, right? There's a lot of things Revelation will draw majorly on this passage about destruction, devastation. And it kind of the f 8 through 10 and 11, they kind of look at the first coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the second one, the, the rest of the book deals with the second coming of Jesus. And uh, as we see in the New Testament, expounded a little more clearly maybe, mm -hmm. we have that separation where God takes control of things at the end. There is a time when, when sin will take take control and then God says, I'm going to be king. Mm -hmm. And I like that in, in Zechariah 14 verse 9, it says, after all this devastation happens and the Lord will be king over the mm -hmm. earth. And it kind of sets this, it goes back mm -hmm. to that king motif that we talked about in, in chapter 9, right? But here, yes, God will, there is a gentle and loving side about God, but there's also mm -hmm. something, if you don't want to live with me, I will respect that choice. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's that balance between two sides of mm -hmm. God, that God is all-powerful. He's not just a servant. He is also the almighty creator, and he will take things into his hand. Right. How can that give us hope? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> There's hope beyond ourselves. I don't know. I think yeah. we fixate on ourselves and what's going on in our own personal life that it's, we're missing the point. If we read what has already happened at this point and then even what's going to happen, I mean, that's hopeful. Mm. I feel like the hope can be learned or you know, established by learning um, previous experiences. We, we, we can say that we hope for something because we have seen it's been done in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a prime example where those peculiar things that we mentioned, the king riding on the donkey, pierced hands, uh, everything has been um, fulfilled. Those things have been fulfilled uh, uh, when Jesus came and lived with, uh, with people here on earth. Mm -hmm. So we, we saw this taking place. We saw that prophecy taking place. So if we see further prophecies of difficult times, tribulations uh, that are yet to come to us, and then we see that there will be uh, jubilation mm -hmm. when Jesus comes back, we can, through that learned hope, we can endure and survive through the difficult times. I think that is really the key, and I think that's what the book of Zechariah wants to teach us. Mm -hmm. There will be difficult times that come. Mm -hmm. Peter talks about tribulation, Revelation talks about some difficult times as well. But through all of that, no matter what's happening in your personal life, God is always there. Mm -hmm. and, and He will carry us through it. We can cling to that hope, mm -hmm. something that we can't see. It's this faith because we've seen how God mm -hmm. acts in the past. We can hold that on. That is the gift yeah. that we receive, right? Jesus that came and now He will come again and bring mm -hmm. us home. Thank you so much for being on the show. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Org. You can also join us on Facebook, right off of our site for Sabbath School University. I'm Michael Mueller. We'll see you next week. Have hope.